you can't enter your beers in our competition, but you can judge on how good our beers are. Yeah, um, interesting. It's a little bit, it's a, it's a little oh, bit like when you move out. Yeah. I'm saying I'm a grown-up now yeah. um, and I'm sort of living in my own space <laughs> and earning my own money and then tapping mum and dad for a loan every yeah. time you can't make the rent. <laughs> Radio Brews News is proudly presented by Crymalt. With over 25 years in the field, Crymalt are dedicated to providing the finest brewing ingredients to help brewers create the foundations of a truly excellent beer. They are your premium brewing partner and they are proud sponsors of this and this is Brews News Week. I am your host and editor, Matt Kirkegaard, and I'm joined as ever by my senior editor, Claire Burnett. Oh, but, did I get a promotion? Oh, there? sorry, senior, senior journalist. <laughs> sorry, I'm, I'm, thank I'm you, thank you very much. Senior journalist. Uh, you can be senior Hello, editor Matt. if you want. You can be editor <laughs> if you want. We're not really that bothered, are we, about the old titles? <laughs> titles matter, you know, just. <laughs> Only on LinkedIn. <laughs> Only on LinkedIn, not in the real world, yes. But welcome, Claire. We, we're not joined this week by uh, our regular host, Pete Mitchum. Uh, technical difficulties, uh, you know, hamster fell off the wheel, uh, somebody cut the string holding the two tin cans together. <laughs> so, um, but news still happened, so we're still going to go ahead. So, uh, Claire, how are you? Yeah, not bad, thanks. We've been all right this week, haven't we? It's been busy. There's a lot on. There's a lot going on yeah. and lots of... Bad news. Lots of bad news. Lots of bad Some news. Some good news. So Melbourne's coming out bit of... Bit of good news. Bit of um, good news, yeah. Melbourne's coming out of um, lockdown. Obviously the big one, BrewCon, being cancelled. Well, um, are you going to get straight into the headlines? Well, I thought we <laughs> may as well mention it to start off with, because it has made me sad this week. Um, we were really looking forward to that. We oh, had our yeah. accommodation booked and everything. Oh, nice the little gathering Airbnb. of the tribes. Yeah, and it would have been nice as well, because I feel like people still are like, well, we can't really escape this situation we can't escape Australia right now so it would have been nice to hang out and just see everyone and like just learn some stuff as well I always find that the best bit about BrewCon is going to all these great workshops and that's what I took away from Good Beer Week in Melbourne you know Good Beer Week itself you know not so much buzz about as we've talked about on the podcast but the AIBAs you know it was full um, yeah. absolutely heaving um, in terms of numbers and people were really ex- you know the industry was really excited to be there and so Brucon really would have gathered a lot of that energy um, downside was if you'd had one COVID infected person mm. at <laughs> the AIBAs oh my gosh. Um, or you know potentially at Brucon shuts down the industry the whole, yeah and I didn't even think about that because <laughs> literally everyone would have been there probably a representative from most bit breweries a big proportion at the very least, and then they go home and take it back with them. Uh, <laughs> that would have been a nightmare. And with close con- close contacts, you know, mm. um, it would have just been horrible. Um, yeah, you know, it. a lot of breweries in the lockdowns last year were working, you know, and, and, and warehouses. I think uh, it was Bintani was working, you know, um, two shifts in the warehouse and completely yep. separate shifts. So that way if you know, it was business continuity, if mm-hmm. one shift had to lock because somebody had you've still got half yeah. your workforce still able so Absolutely. yeah i'm um, very very sad um but I, I guess it was it was the right decision but we'll, we'll yeah. talk more about that uh in below the fold um sure. because of some of the letters to the editor so Definitely. let's um let's get into the news it has been a, a, a busy week uh-huh. um we, well we've done brook 2021 cancelled um but there are also new dates for the sydney royal beer insider show Yes, very exciting. Um, rescheduled for Wednesday, the 15th of September, 2021. I think that's, I don't know, maybe I'm just being a pessimist. I think that's a little bit That might be a little optimistic. bit optimistic, um, yeah. given that they've just locked down. Well, those were announced before they pushed it yes, back for another four weeks. So Earlier yeah. this week, end of last week, wasn't it? So well, anyway, we'll keep an eye on that, see how that goes. And we'll keep you informed. Um, Mighty Craft to launch a zero-car beer. <laughs> yeah, this is an interesting one. So um, when I came back in on Tuesday, this had landed on the Monday, and I was You're like, You're not okay. allowed to take days off. <laughs> I'm sorry. People like to do things when I'm away. It's like they know I'm off. Um, anyway, Mighty Craft, um, you w- will know them as uh, the owner or part owner of several breweries now, um, including Blistic, Slipstream, um, Jetty Road, a bunch of them. Um, anyway, they have launched 
or announced they will be investing in a new company which will launch uh, a zero carb beer dubbed Better Beer. So they're using their uh, talky beverage company which focuses on um, RTDs. It started out as K-Booch which did alcoholic kombucha um, and they are doing this in conjunction with the Inspired Unemployed which if you haven't heard of them are um, really, I can't believe they even exist, but this is the world we live in. Uh, They basically made a name for themselves on Instagram, like doing funny videos and stuff like that. And now Minecraft have teamed up with them. Um, They've already got national ranging for this, which is crazy. Um, But they've also contract brewed, or they've signed a deal to contract brew at Australian Brewing Co., which is a joint venture between Casella and Coca-Cola. So a few interesting points on that one, and I'm sure we'll pop back to that one. We might, yeah, there's there's quite a bit to unpack there, so (laughs) we we might... uh, We'll do it below the fold. Yeah. Bam, um, bam, bam. Be nice and tight on the news. (laughs) Batch Brewing partners with Lion for a New South Wales beer. Yes, so another, some might say interesting collaboration. Uh, Lion has joined forces with uh, Batch, uh, based in Marrickville, to produce a limited edition beer to mark, in quotes, Freedom Day, which I believe is when everyone's in New South Wales and met the vaccine threshold. So another interesting partnership. Again, we'll touch on it below the fold, but we don't often see a major brewer team up with a craft brewer who is not affiliated. Although as we talk in the below the fold, um, as a, one of our letters to the editor this week mm-hmm. um, raises it's that. Happening. So uh, yeah, happening. we'll talk about that. Okay. Um, now, Dry July. Uh, we've talked about how we cover Dry July as news mm-hmm. um, without just sort of doing the alcohol you know the what everyone else yeah, is doing top 10 to of whatever the new al- no alcohol beers are or whatever listicle they decide to do this week so you penned a story dry july and the challenge of zero alc i did indeed so we thought it was a timely one um we've been thinking about it uh in terms of the challenges for the brewer so consumer perceptions and consumer psychology kind of you would assume determines that uh no alcohol should be cheaper there's you're not paying any excise etc cetera, etc cetera. Logically, we th- that would be would make sense. So we spoke to a few brewers on how they differentiate, how they can justify that price point, and it is an interesting one because historically mainstream brewers have gone for the lower price point for alcohol, um, and they're allowed to do that. They've been allowed to do that. They've got economies of scale. They can charge that lower price point for no alcohol. Obviously, when craft brewers take on up the mantle, it's a slightly different kettle of fish. Still costs a bit more. Um, where are you going to get your profit margins for that? Are they comparable to alcoholic beer, really, in the end, considering you have to invest in potentially new equipment and new ways of doing things? So we spoke to uh, Bridge Road, uh, Ben at Bridge Road. We spoke to Jazz Weirin at Nort. Uh, the modus operandi brand, and we spoke to um, Clint Schultz at Sober Beverages. Obviously, all slightly different in the way they do things, um, and Sober, for instance, purely focuses on no alcohol, whereas the other guys have their alcoholic beer uh, ranges, as we well know. But it's a really interesting one. I wanted to talk a bit about the landscape and where these no alcohol trends fit in. So there's some interesting statistics there from the um, Australian Institute of Health and Welfare. Interesting, all interesting, all all around. Um, but the basic premise is that you know, I think craft brewers think that it's part of their job to educate a consumer who's basically thinking, right? Well, why isn't this much cheaper than I expect it to be? And Clint made a really interesting point in that he's like, well, look, you know, we use um, native ingredients; they come at a much higher in a much higher price range than a lot of other ingredients so that's our point of differentiation and that's why we can determine that um and put them our sober beverages out in the market and say you know this is why they are the price that they are um so it's a really interesting challenge for brewers to um to tackle and you know we had a, we had some interesting chats there so go and have a read and let us know what you think about that one because yeah it's it is interesting do you think no alcohol should be cheaper and why we can <laughs> blow the fold that one. That's for, well, yeah. Definitely. We might give oh, a bit of a break. Um, <laughs> I know we do mention it quite a bit, don't we? It's it's like when seltzers were a big thing. We, another thing we'll talk about later. <laughs> mm, uh, are they still? Are they? Question mark. Uh, moving on, uh, mm-hmm. CUB chief executive steps down. Yes. Yeah, so this was an interesting one because um, Peter Filipovic, uh, P- Filipovic or Pil- mm-hmm. Filipovic. Uh, oh, well, are you Australian or are you... Uh, well, I'm European. <laughs> European, <really>. so... <laughs> I'd, I'd, yeah, I'd imagine that there's a softer... Okay, okay, there you go. Anyway, don't they lovingly call him Flip? 
Is that flip. what they call them? Yes, yeah. Flip. So F- <laughs> Flip is retiring as CEO of um, Cartland United Beverages uh, Brewery, sorry, um, the Australian Alcohol Beverages Division of Asahi, obviously now. So he's been there for 25 years and he's retiring. And I think that was just, it reminds me of a few other people that have left and they've, after something major like that, is it because he's absolutely knackered and he's over it and he's done this massive deal? And <laughs> oh, there, there are people, yeah. I Interesting. Mean, you've got two big organisations. Mm. Um, merging and you know it, it takes some time to bed down you don't want to in- immediately lose um institutional knowledge yep. um but you know obviously there are fiefdoms and mm. you know um people you know skill sets and all, all of that that need to, to be managed and yeah. as we've said um the efficiencies come from letting people go yeah that's um, it. you know mm. closing down plants and all of those sorts of things so we'll just sort of uh mm. Yeah. So, but anyway, yeah, um, and we, we've been trying to get Peter on the podcast for quite a while because after we spoke to the head of Line, I thought speaking to the head of CUB, oh yeah, um, who's twenty another twenty five year um, veteran. But uh, hopefully, we can snag him before he goes. Yeah, or even when the new person comes in, they could be quite an interesting one. They might want to be making a little splash. Mm. We'll have to see. Yes, we'll have to see. Um, cool. So moving on from that, uh, the New South Wales Brewers benefit from Job Creation Fund. So this is a nice little one following the, I believe it was a federal government uh, modern manufacturing modernisation fund grants. Um, but this was a specifically New South Wales one uh, for regional job creations. And Jarvis Bay uh, Brewing and Tumut River Brewing, I believe, or Tumut Ri- Brewing, uh, have secured around about um, three quarters of a million from this job creation fund. Um, and this is an interesting one as well, not only because obviously they're either building new breweries or expanding their breweries to create jobs in regional areas in New South Wales, but that Jarvis Bay is looking to bring in some new technology that we actually wrote about last year. So what they're doing is they're, they're trialling this technology that turns their uh, brewery wastewater into hydrogen fuel. So, or hydrogen and then that can be used for fuel and it was actually something we covered last year um it was a a couple of young guys who were like chemists um Mm -hmm. and they just launched a a company called uh switch Two, i think and they were like look we're just trying to find someone to try this out we know this could be really interesting for us and this is the first use case i've seen for it so they must have talked jarvis bay into um taking on this uh new technology so i'll be really interested to see how that turns out we'll get in touch with um jarvis bay in like six months and see how it goes and and how that worked out because you know we've seen loads of people innovate um we saw young henry's making uh the bbc which is such a big deal to me being british <laughs> the other day um, was it was bbc like, oh or bbc australia it was bbc oh, it was big big boy big bbc <laughs> Big boy BBC. Big person BBC, please. Oh, sorry. sorry. Uh, I do apologise. It is auntie after all. Is <laughs> the BBC auntie? Or, cause oh, I can't the remember. The ABC is auntie here. Oh, is it? So, yeah. Oh, ne- anyway. No, we never called it that. It's... <laughs> It's made the big time, Michelle said. <laughs> it's made the big time. But basically, what the point is that um, breweries are... Even if they're small, Jarvis Bay's not massive. Um, they like to try and invest in new technologies in innovations in things that make uh what they do more efficient or more sustainable um so that'll be a really cool one to follow and we'll catch up with them shortly certainly something you know if you're going to put a backstory to your brand mm. it's certainly a little bit more than just engaging yeah. social media influencers and you're also <laughs> exactly oh burn oh yeah uh, we know that's going to get torn to shreds in below the there's fold there's a teaser for below the fold <laughs> uh, moving on uh, something else it'll be retail drinks refutes anti-alcohol lobby delivery claims uh, and the saga continues uh, so <laughs> the f- <laughs> I wish we hadn't started the bingo card, but the Foundation for Alcohol Research and Education has released a report basically arguing that children are being put at risk from online sales and home delivery of alcohol products. They also have released, the anti-alcohol lobby, not necessarily fair, has released a report this week uh, basically critiquing the major brewers. So I think they got the top 100 uh, alcohol companies in Australia, which includes CB and Lion, obviously. And they were critiqued for um, several of their brands not having any age gates not, on them. Uh, no, and, and not just critiqued, but the media story, the, the Australian Rainer story yeah. saying that they're targeting children yeah. through social media. Which and is a huge leap. Oh my God, how have they made that logical of leap? an individual that you were grooming children, yeah. um, like based on a fact situation where you don't have an age gate and as we know, you know, good practice is, and most of them do, I don't know whether some of these um, 
you know, social media accounts are defunct. You know, like the, some of them have just mm-hmm. well, have been left drifting yeah. um, and they may not have a brand manager. They just may be floating. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I know that the big breweries have been very proactive in making sure that they adhere. And as whenever an ABAC claim is made, they mm-hmm. talk about the steps that they go through. Yeah. But if you're an individual who, because of an inadvertent action, was told that you were targeting children with something nefarious and something you know potentially illegal, yeah. you'd sue. Like you, you could oh, actually yeah. sue. Um, and it's just the spin, and it just shows the the assumption that they make that anything isn't omission, like inadvertent omission, it's a deliberate targeting of children. Mm-hmm. And, you know, going back to my um, chat with the uh, head of the um, alcohol... Oh, Andrew Wilsmore. Uh, Andrew Wilsmore. Mm-hmm. When he sort of said that a lot of the policy officers coming out of, you know, into alcohol are former tobacco researchers, you know, anti-tobacco researchers, and mm-hmm. they're bringing the same playbook um, for anti-tobacco, which, again, like, Tobacco absolutely needs to be shut down, and there was a whole lot of behaviours there. But yeah, so this was an interesting one to see. So yeah, yeah, and I mean, it just ties into this. There seems to be an ongoing battle, and I've said it before that they're very much it's adversarial politics going on in this. There's the anti, and then then there's what's conceived as the pro version of it. Like you're backed by industry, and therefore you're pro industry, and blah blah blah. There's no working together on the problem. There's no trying them trying to engage with the industry at all. And the difference is the alcohol lobby's self interest mm-hmm. is clear. You yeah. know anything that the would say? Well, of course they'd say that they make their money from alcohol very fairly and they're going to you know go right up to the line sometimes they'll transgress and that's where you've got these mechanisms to police that mm-hmm. no one's policing the anti-alcohol lobby and you know holding them to account for their dodgy research and no, exactly. uh, things like in fact the australian federal government is giving them 25 million dollars to campaign on fetal alcohol syndrome and you're like so right so you're being legitimized by the government despite the fact that your research is basic at best mm. and would not pass most tests i don't know how, in their title. I d- and i don't know how they managed to get anything peer-reviewed because that one on the australian one, that was peer-reviewed and i was like peer-reviewed by who well your actual peers the last next to you in the office you mean <laughs> <laughs> oh no i think peer-reviewed probably has a much more you know if you're going to start throwing uh, things yeah, like yeah. that around it's going to be a little bit more but mm-hmm. at the same time you know so so the research itself may be quite legitimate and there may be 25 you know their methodology and things like mm-hmm. that but then the interpretation that big brewers uh you know grooming children is the word that they've used previously and what a emotive yeah. word like that's crazy but that's what the fetal alcohol syndrome thing was you know mm-hmm. whether you know i haven't seen any research to show that um, fetal alcohol syndrome is a problem for people who are aware and just disregarded the impact of alcohol or whether there are a whole lot of societal in- issues much broader than just putting a label on. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so we, we've gone <laughs> we went to rabbit, rabbit hole, we said we were We said we weren't going to as well. Yeah, it was good. To, well, we've been pretty good. That was <laughs> we've the last, been all right. Uh, we've been swift, haven't we? That was the last story. So yeah. <laughs> okay, brilliant. 18 minutes in, we finished the news. <laughs> That's not too bad, is it? So if you need to get back to, you know, if you've been sitting in the car park before a sales call, if you've been waiting to make that phone call, uh, you know, about ordering your, your, your range of malts or if you're <laughs> midway through mashing in, uh, you can get back to your... Uh, brewing chores and uh, that was the news that you need to know uh, for the week if you'd like to have a a little bit more discussion about some of the news (laughs) hang around for below the fold but uh, thank you for listening and uh, see you next week and we're back Uh, this is below the fold uh, where we dig a little bit deeper and discuss you know go all sky news on the um Well, any, any, anyone working for FAIR would say that we were the Sky News, the alcohol version of Sky News. Yes, we probably would. Anyway. <laughs> um, and starting with the mailbag. And the mailbag is thanks to New Zealand Ale Trail. Head to nzaletrail.com uh, or at nzaletrail on social media to find the best beer experiences in New Zealand. You can look in your show notes to find links to both of those. Although it'll be a little while before the bubble reopens and we can... Go, go visiting. But as soon as I was actually hoping July might be the time, but that didn't happen. Oh. Anyway, okay. um, mailbag this week. And don't forget that quite apart from uh, being sponsored by the New Zealand Ale Trail, if you 
do send us a message and you get it read out, please uh, reach out to us by giving sending your postal address so we can send you a... A barblade. I was, I was trying to say, well, I was going to say patented, but you know, like, <laughs> no, I don't that, that, that might be what they call in the trade uh, a little bit of hyperbole, um, <laughs> hyperbole. Uh, so it's not patented, but it is very, very good for opening cans. Um, and the first one is from Blair Hughes via email. Good read on, here's a bit of kudos for you, Claire. Oh, good read on low, no alcohol beers. Uh, there's a great variety out now and some taste a lot better than others. A bit cheaper for a cart and then $100 I was spending and dropped a couple of kilograms. kilograms. Oh. <laughs> good um, luck. I was going to say that. Yeah. It's not the same, but I think there will be other blokes who look to do the same around household budget spending, fitness, healthier lifestyles. Still give me a triple IPA and I'll say, hell yeah, why not? All the best, Blair Hughes. Um, <laughs> God, lad. Yeah, look again. Keeps his eye on the pro. Um, yeah, and you know, ad nauseum. We, we've discussed it. Um, they certainly are there. Very interested in the use cases, but yeah, we, we, we're keen to hear your experiences with them, uh, everybody. Um, yeah, so absolutely. let us know. Incidentally, there actually there was another story in the mainstream mm-hmm. media this morning um, that I clicked again, talking about mm-hmm. booming business and um, you know. I think Woolworths is ranging them in their main um, shops. You know, Woolworths are actually having mm-hmm. the alcohol-free beer, so the wine and oh, things like that. Oh, yeah, because I've seen in like a – I think it was Woolies, Woolies before that they do – even in like the soft drink aisle, they do like wine, like alcohol-free wine. Yep. But I've never seen any beer there, obviously, until Cooper's Birrell has been there for years and years oh, and years and okay. years. okay. I fully just didn't um, know it. So it was, you know, it was one of the early ones. Actually, I still haven't seen Cooper's really push – their alcohol-free beer. Um, you know, they, they were yeah. first to market. They've been selling you know, alcohol-free for years and years and years. They haven't really jumped <laughs> oh, on. Oh, Cooper! I know. Come Another on. example of, you know, like they were the first craft brewer to put beer in cans. Yeah. Ah, um, oh, that's frustrating. And then the when first they time they actually do it. Do it. <laughs> oh, no, but they, they do so many things and then are just so slow to actually capitalise on it. Isn't so, that interesting? Yeah. That's so strange. Um, and they'll, they'll, no doubt they'll wait until Stone and Wood do a Pacific Ale, um, <laughs> zero-hour Pacific Ale, and suddenly they'll do it. You know. yeah. Come Poor on, old, Coopers, we want more Coopers. from you. Come on. <laughs> Let's see what the sixth generation can bring. But, yeah, no, so it's, it's really interesting. But, again, the, the article quoted the, you know, 78% growth, which is different to the 200% growth they were talking about last year. Exactly. And yeah. You know, so what does that say? Still huge growth, but mm-hmm. it's still a very low base um, still trotting out all of the same retailers and producers mm-hmm. to quote for the yeah. article. So those guys must just be on speed dial for the media oh, yeah. these days. Oh, yeah, they love it. So I still get the feeling that this is a trend. Um, it's a legitimate mm-hmm. trend, but I still get a trend that is driven by self-interest of those entering the space much more it is than by mainstream uptake yeah so you know and it's interesting as well because on the brewery radar this week we were talking to uh the beneficial beer co which purports to be the first fully no alcohol brewery in planning although we know that sober beverages on the gold coast is also thinking of start of launching their own brew pub um as of yet we haven't got one that's completely no alcohol um most of the breweries that do no alcohol obviously as we said earlier they they do alcoholic beer as well. So there are some actual no-alcohol beer breweries in the making, and I'm really interested to see how they turn out. Like, number one, you need a massive amount of capital to start off with for all that equipment. And number two, what's the ongoing use case for that? Are they just going to have to end up diversifying and getting in alcoholic beverages of other brewers, of other distillers, etc.? Like, it's going to be really interesting to see how that works out. Look, I, I suspect... That the um, particularly the contract brewed brands, the, mm. the the bigger brands that are um, you know, not associated with a, a brewery, um, are probably. It's unlikely that we're going to see too many big breweries buying craft breweries anymore. They just don't have the appetite for it. Mm-hmm. You know, they they don't need any more. Yeah, they've portfolio. got enough. It's pretty chocolate. But alcohol-free beer is one area where you can create a brand and yeah. get scale and sell it off, um, you know, w- without the big brewery having to do that cultivation marketing. I'd love to know what what, it, what the costs of bringing a new product to market are for uh, like a line or a CUB, you know, mm. when they bring a 4X gold pale ale, um, you know, to market, what are all of the development costs? And if they can just buy, you know, one... Mm-hmm. 
you know, I would imagine it'd be more expensive for them than it would be for a little nimble startup. Yep. Um, that if they can, so that there is still possibility that alcohol-free brands could be bought without buying a brewery brand. Um, so I, I think that's mm, where there's a lot of competition. I didn't think about it like yeah. that. That could be a good angle. Um, so Who I think that's why some of these brands are starting up as, you know, um, speculation, um, you know, speculative ventures to hopefully yeah. sell out rather than start, start a mainstream all um, products. But the, the, actually the other thing in this article, and I'll link to it, it's on News Limited uh, today, you know, let's see, Get your bingo cards ready because we do tick the words mindful drinking. Um, <laughs> is mindful drinking on the bingo card, man? We, we, yes. oh no, this is the alcohol free bingo. Oh. Uh, Irene Falcone launched Sands Drinks. Uh, tick. All articles generally uh, go see Miss Falcone. But the new one is we now have uh, influencers, alcohol free oh. category influencers. And uh, Melbourne influencer and former Miss Australia Olivia Molly Ooh. Rogers is among those who are choosing to give up alcohol, telling news.com.au she decided to quit on May 1 after waking up with another bad hangover from anxiety over the night before. Now, with her so far, completely understand mm-hmm. the giving mm-hmm. up alcohol part. Yep. While Miss Rogers doesn't consider herself to be an alcoholic, her relationship with drinking was becoming uncomfortable. A lot of people, Dan Dayton, who I spoke to this week. I was going to say, and he was very candid about his journey with alcohol and yep. not drinking, and so good on you, Dan. Um, go um, and have a listen to that yep. about, uh, and a whole lot of other things. Um a lot of people in the brewing industry are realising um, that you know their relationship with alcohol and the easy access to alcohol is is, is an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, but then she gave up alcohol. But the article then doesn't say that she's started drinking alcohol-free spirits or cocktails or mm-hmm. um, things like that. So, but she's an influencer. So if you've got an alcohol-free brand and you want somebody out there spruiking your product, I'm sure she's <laughs> open to offers. <laughs> Um, given that she's Former a, Miss Australia. Which, which, but again, I'm not 100% sure she'd be drinking beer. Though. Well, she's photographed with what looks like a soy latte oh, and God. some tulips. Oh, so, God. Um, so, she's, so she's, but that's the thing. So, you know, you've got the businesses that are selling um, zero alk beers, mm. but then you've got people who are drinking, um, who have given up drinking or are very mindful of their drinking. Mm-hmm. I'm not hearing them going, oh, you know, alcohol free products have made what I, my decision possible, they're just going, well, I didn't like the drinking. Um, and that's the great disconnect I see between those two parts of that. And but I've yeah. said that ad nauseum. So anyhow. But Matt, if you were a brewer and you wanted to start a no-alcohol brand... Well, if I had an influencer <laughs> that I wanted to... <laughs> Put a slap bang <laughs> slap on your bang can. <laughs> on my can. You'd need some labels for those cans. I t- who needs prof when, <laughs> when I've got We're you here. to seamlessly... I had to write a note to myself because <laughs> we'd gotten all the way through the news without doing it. Um, anyway, well, if you if you did need any labels, where would you uh, go, Matt? Rallying's labels, uh, stickers and packaging Yay! are the people that I would go to because they're seamless too. They're uh, shrink... You know, uh, they, they've got no <laughs> seams on their sh- uh, shrink labels. Uh, they're not only able to apply labels for your cans or bottles, but they can supply printed or blank cans, trays, drip, uh, tab, <laughs> can trays, tap <laughs> decals, barcodes, and shrink sleeves already applied to empty beer cans ready for filling. The guys often get asked, where could the brewery buy a shrink sleeving machine to apply the sleeves? You don't need to go to that expense. Brewing is expensive enough. In this case, they come to your door palletised and ready to fill. Nothing more to do. Give them a call on, what's the number there, Claire? Uh, it's 1300 852 235. To discuss further. And thank you to our good supporters at <laughs> Rowling's Labels Packages. And yes! I'm so chuffed we managed that. Now, um, as we said, a lot of the, it, it's just quite coincidental that a lot of the emails that we get seem to relate to stories, even if they're not directly commenting yeah, on the stories. Yeah. Um, but this one did talk about it. Uh, so, Bo Curtis, um, now Bo is commented a couple of times. I don't know whether he's got a barblade. Send us your email address. Or you send us your postal address so I can post it. Um, so here's where I get confused about the Mighty Craft strategy. To this point, they've got gone exclusively invested in breweries with physical assets. Now they're creating a brand alongside influencers. I get that they're capable of producing this beer in significant quantities across one or a few breweries in their portfolio, and they've got distribution, but this just feels like it's disconnected from their strategy to date. And that's where, very, very interesting, you know, Mighty Craft... They do, you know, they've, they've bought a lot of breweries. Some of those breweries are taking in contract brewing for others because they've got excess capacity, mm-hmm. and yet 
Yeah. And even when they, they bought Mismatch last month, the whole point in them buying Mismatch and the Adelaide Hills Distillery, and I think there was a cidery there as well, was that they could have economies of scale, as in they could have that extra room to brew in. Mm. And now that they're contract brewing with Australian Brewing Co., it does make you question, like, what's well, going on? The thing that makes it discuss-worthy or, you know, or below-the-fold-worthy mm. um, is whenever you speak to them, they've got a very clear strategy. Mm-hmm. And yet, when you... Try if you were to try to divine their strategy from their actions, it would be a very very hard one to do. Um, that said, you know, it, it, craft beer is a gimmick laden business these days. Sorry, um, but you know, like the, the these one off, um, you know, interesting, exciting, you know, news print generating beers that get people talking. If there was something substantial about the beer itself. It would be core range. It would mm-hmm. be, but it's it's a gimmick. It's 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 entertainment. It's giving people a reason to try and keeping them engaged in the brand. Yeah. Um, let's face it: if you're going to reach a broader um, market, um, something else that Dan said, um, talking about craft, that you know, craft isn't growing. You know, this mm-hmm. segment of craft, and he expressed it slightly different to the way I have, where I've been talking about, you know, when you look at the number of craft lagers that are chasing, you know, brewers who are bringing in lagers that once upon a time would have been sneered at by inverted commas craft brewers um, to try and find that audience that doesn't want to come to the fruity hop driven beer party uh, or the lactose um, party and Mm -hmm. those sorts of things Um, I've said that it's growing wider but it's also growing shallower particularly around the margins people don't care who make those things and it was interesting to hear Dan talking about that and that things like independence and stuff are just a marketing label in the same to appeal to people who care about that in the same way that you know plant-based um appeals to a certain you know it gives you know on a shelf people who care about that particular aspect a reason to pick it up but they're niches um Mm. you know if you are charging a slightly broader i mean these guys had over a million facebook you know and LinkedIn, oh, no, probably not LinkedIn. They're probably not on LinkedIn. <laughs> I don't um, think But Instagram, they are. TikTok. Oh, the inspired unemployed, the inspired unemployed people. people. They've got like 2.5 million on Instagram. It's Funnily crazy. Enough, never heard of them um, until a friend sent me a link. And yeah. I thought, oh, okay, look, you know, they move okay. But it's just, yeah, yeah. You know, but it's rank silliness that appeals to people. Yeah. Uh, it's just like, you know, in, in a way it's like, because I'm not mm-hmm. directly comparing, but comedians like Celeste Barber who is huge mm-hmm. um, you know with a certain demographic and I guess a couple of tradies who are entertaining people with for want of a better word tradie humour <laughs> um, th- there's an audience for them and mm. you know th- there's penetration <laughs> ironically oh, they were that. doing a they, they got in trouble for doing a promotion for BB um, oh, yeah. what, was it Tui's uh, you know no, it was Tui's it was, it was Tui's which is a yeah, tradies yeah, yeah. beer um, yeah. and so you're going much more so than the zero carb Better beer, which is so strange. Like, are tradies getting into zero carbs now? I'm not sure. Well, low carb, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, the, the, yeah. The, health the, and wellness. The, the Tui's was a zero carb beer, I think. Oh, or the Tui's it? extra dry. Yeah, oh, dry beer. So zero carb is, oh, a, is ah, an ultra dry. Okay, but, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, I'm amazed it's taken so long for another brewery to go after Burley Brewing, which has had a zero mm. carb for ages. Big yeah. head for years. And was craft, you know, and we've talked about it. Go listen to the podcast with Peter mm-hmm. and uh, Brennan. But yeah, look. It's weird, isn't it? If you go back and read me writing on Brews News circa <laughs> 2011, 2012. And I would fully recommend that because it's a, it's an insight into what's going on up there. <laughs> well, but, yeah, look, it, there would have been a time that I would have just, you know, high dudgeon, um, you could, mm-hmm. you know, um, at, at, at this sort of stuff. And in fact, you know, Burley Big Head, um, that's not craft, but that was when the conversation was craft is malt, hops and yeast, we're doing it different, it's not industrial, mm-hmm. we don't use enzymes to lighten the natural flavours that occur in beer, we don't lighten, you know, we, we use the brewer's natural skill to find flavours, and it's not for everyone, um, was kind of like what the, you know, um, stone brewing, you're not worthy um, of our beer. It's actually got flavour. You have to lift your game to come. And that was a lot, you know, there were so many sub-themes in craft beer. And as somebody parroted back um, to me, you know, that post-craft beer world where it's just beer. Um, it's a marketing segment in the way that, you know, you've got Australian domestic, you've got premium Premium was basically subsumed by international, and now craft beer is just another marketing segment that mm-hmm. doesn't really mean anything because you've got lagers that, in a blind tasting, would be hard to tell from some of the. Mm-hmm. You've, you've got you know, 
corn lagers um, mm-hmm. that are being made. So, you know, it's it's a brand that's trying to find a market that it can sell its beer to, just like people who are going for the ultra pointy end craft beer nerd. Hello to you all, because a lot of you are our listeners. Love you. I'm not. That's <laughs> that's not a derogatory uh, title, but you know. Beer geeks, nerds, people who care about the latest and, you know, what the brewer's middle name is and, you know, that, you know, all, all of that sort of stuff that fuels the passion for a certain element. A lot of people have a very shallow interest and if some guys that they find funny on social media, you know, have a beer, mm-hmm. then they'll pick that up. Bloke in a bar is another one. Yeah. Um, Steelers, Steel City, Steel you know, City, yeah. we're seeing more and more of it. And incidentally, um, they're all going to be putting pressure on independence yeah um and, and which might bring us to another story about what is independent what is an independent you know um marketing well that's it. it is quite interesting and i do find another thing that i find interesting about the mighty craft beer is that they didn't choose any of their other mm. multiple of brewery brands to launch it they they're setting up a separate company with talky beverage company and these social inf- social media influencers well from a marketing point of view and, and i guess a lot i guess mm. our marketing you know like andre um Samartino, Samartino, who's yeah, a, yeah. Who will probably have some views on this i'd love to hear them or anyone that's you know um, in fact bo curtis is a yeah. i think has a background mate. all of our listeners who are involved in marketing in some way will have some thoughts on this you couldn't drop it on a ballistic or you couldn't drop it on a mm. um, sauce brewing because it's not probably not the right brand for them. So, yeah. you know, a, a sense, alcoholic it? kombucha company doesn't have the same brand structure yeah. um, to that, that it's a good one for. The thing that I found interesting is, as you said, there's so much excess capacity in their mm. network, but yet they've gone to Australian Beverage Co., mm-hmm. um, which makes sense given that they've got national ranging out of the box. Um, So that's a lot of beer that they need to put in there. And if it takes off, there's a lot of beer. And maybe that that was it as well because they have to guarantee that they're always going to have X amount of capacity and have this amount for the next six months. It's part of being a national retailer. Exactly. um, Having the support. So absolutely. And, but it also shows one of the flaws with the, as I perceive it, with the Mighty Craft strategy is, Everyone talks about scaling your brewery up to bring your unit cost down, mm-hmm. yet they've got, what, seven, eight breweries in their chain now, mm-hmm. um, and they still have to go to contract brew to get national scale. You know, Ultimately, what are they going to do? Are they going to invest in all of their partner breweries to bring them all up to scale, or... You know, are they going to invest in one of them to give the scale? And so, you know, say yeah. Ballistic is the one that scales and all of the others have to get their beer contract brewed. Is that exactly. going to create yeah. politics and, you know... Yeah, like accusations of favouritism. Favouritism or, you know, or things. Or are they going to build their own brewery? Um, yeah. And given they've had the capital raise for everything that they've done so far mm-hmm. and they've still got a significant cash burn rate, yeah. um, you know, how long will people still invest in them finding scale and you know like stone and wood to build a 40 million litre brewery mm-hmm. looking at you know what was it 50 or 60 million dollars yeah um so that's that's Maybe a more. Mm, so interesting very interesting to watch it yeah, mighty craft we'll um i'm sure there'll be it does feel a bit PhD. thrown at the wall as well this one don't you think someone posted that it looked like a filter knockoff <laughs> like well the, the design. design certainly did yeah. yeah but then again how many how many um mm. looks has bolter spawned and well yeah. uh, again they in craft beer, is there is there such thing as a first mover advantage? Um, you know, if you if you do the bolter and come up with a design, or filter yeah. was the one to really give that retro yeah. beautiful can. We've seen a lot of people starting Copying to riff on that. that. Yeah. Um, you know, we've seen home brand milk um, riff on the bolter <laughs> look. <laughs> yeah. um, Stone and wood, Pacific Ale. Mm. You know, for a long time, the craft guys, the, the craft breweries, gave them deference for the first mover advantage for, you know, that style of beer um, and then the, the the name of it. The court case lost, the big brewers started to create a Pacific Ale and it's just generic, everyone's having a go now. No advantage to that. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you carve out your niche? So, yeah, so there's so much, look, it's business. At the end of the day, no criticisms to Monty Craft. It's just fascinating to watch mm-hmm. what they're doing. But it's... If if I had a you know small brewery, I'd be watching all of this going on, and hearing the bells tolling for for something because 
It's not the, 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 the growth in the industry. National ranging isn't coming from lactose sours mm-hmm. um, and whatever weird banana milkshakes whatever, and yeah, beer we've got mud crab chili mud yeah, crab beer yeah. as uh, people say um, that's not what's getting national ranging um, you know you're going to get niche the beers that are seeing growth the beers that are getting national ranging are ones that have a much broader appeal and they're as I said very shallow interest mm-hmm. if you've got a funny gag um, social media influences spruiking it that's probably the level of depth that the consumer that's buying that wants. They don't care whether it's from an independent brewery. They don't yeah. care who makes it. They just that care who's... That does prove your point about wider but shallower. Well, it doesn't prove anything, It's it, but it's, it's, it's risk for the mill. It's evidence to that. It's yeah, there the you go. That's it. But speaking of, you know, independence marking out a brand, yep. and, and this harkens back to... Oh, actually, um, Matt Alexander did this before we wrote about Batch um, yesterday. Ah, um, yeah. Matt Alexander on Radio Brews News Facebook page. I've noticed that Malt Shovel have now done a couple of collabs over the past 12 months or so with Independence, uh, Waywood and Bentspoke. They're both great beers, and I think this is further evidence of the post-craft world. Thank you very hey, much. there we go. Just a coin of phrase. Um, that has been spoken about before. That said, I know that there are plenty who might avoid these beers just because of their malt shovel affiliation. Is there room in the craft conversation for beers that aren't independent but are craft? Um, well, to, to, to take that last bit, absolute craft independence has nothing to do with craft. Um, I'll say that, and I'll defend that to my dying days. Um, <laughs> that's that's why we're in the post-craft world. But the issue of independence, we saw Batch, you know, a small little brewery that, you know, was very much in Sydney in the West and, you know, talking about their community and, you know, that they mm-hmm. and never, I don't think they've ever sort of trashed the big brewers, but, yep. you know, when you see... Um, they did an equity crowdfund talking about the community. Community and, and things like, like that. Like making their investors a community and all that kind of stuff that you usually talk about when you do an equity crowdfund. And then they go and do this. Can I also just point out, did you see the image? My girl, Ali Mack, was the only one that looked like she'd done any grafting that day. <laughs> I just want to point that out. Ali, if you're listening, I know. I know you do all graft. It's fine. But, and, and, and look, this is the thing. Um, it, it, absolutely no criticism to Batch, no criticism mm-hmm. to Malt Shovel. You know, I called in as has been my lockdown um you know i still go to craft um, my independent bottle shop buy most of my beer went to the bws that was next to Woolworths just because you know masked up everything like that it was convenient which instantly plays is is why their strategy works mm-hmm. walked in there were no lagers just felt like a nice crisp lager um after i was going for a run later only beer i could get was james squire shackles and bought it because um, there was nothing else range. And th- this is my BWS where you sort of see the growing mm. skews and I bet you the uh, Gainfully Unemployed, or whatever their name is, the Artfully Unemployed. <laughs> inspired, inspired Unemployed. <laughs> whoever they say, I don't even know. That. But yeah, I bet you their beer will crop up as soon as it's released. Oh yeah, um, oh yeah. But when you have an indie beer day and you're celebrating independence as being something that is inherently valuable and worthy and choose independence over anything else... Um, mm-hmm. What does a whole lot of independent breweries collabs with big brewers tell the consumer? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is independence something that you should believe passionately in and choose over everything else? Or is independence just... A marketing point. <laughs> a marketing point. Again, <laughs> we've already used the uh, podcast episode, mm-hmm. It Matters Until It Doesn't, mm-hmm. so we can't use that again. Um, <laughs> but, you know, independence in, independence is a marketing term you can use when That's it can benefit your business. But then if you see you can get some growth and no criticism, that's just business. Yep. And, you know. I wonder if it'll end up changing to the point where, you know, like how the Independent Brewers Association was used to be the craft Whatever it was. The Craft, the craft, craft. Beer Independent... Uh, craft Beer Industry Association. That's the one. Before that, it was Beer Limited, um, uh-huh. very briefly. And then, <laughs> yeah, so it's... And before that, was going to be the Australian Craft Beer Association. Oh, okay. But that was pivoted. That was torpedoed by the Australian Real Craft Beer Association, who also registered the Australian Craft <laughs> Beer Association. Okay, well, I wish I hadn't opened that kind of worms. But anyway, they've obviously changed They've it already gone through a few name <laughs> they've changes. They've gone through a few name changes. Hey, what's one more? Well, you, what's what, one more? Is this more? what you're suggesting? Uh, what I'm suggesting, <laughs> exactly. Well, they've gone from, and I'm not saying that they will or that they should or whatever, but I wonder if it ever will change to the point where independence becomes not an important thing for their brewers and they want to do something more like 
the craft brewers, uh, the Brewers Guild of New Zealand, where they have everybody in there. I know the New Zealand um, question is a different one altogether, but it is interesting to see how the independent the Brewers Association has evolved um, as we evolve in our understanding of what craft beer is, what independence is, what the craft beer. Yeah definition evolved exactly um, but again like independence is fairly easy to define um it's it's much cleaner to define Although i'd find it it's even more of a struggle because to me a brewery that's majority owned or even potentially part like partly owned by mike craft is not independent is inherently not independent Why? it's on the stock exchange but that, that's you know how is that different from your brewery is 100 percent financed by um you know hsbc well, that's slightly different because HSBC doesn't have a say in your business strategy. <laughs> if, if, if they've lent you $2 million, they've... <laughs> they want to know about it, but they uh, aren't going to tell you, do this, this and this, it, are they? Well, they're not going to tell you that. If they've, if, if they've got to... They want you to they're, they're gonna be ask, They're going to be asking some questions that may make <laughs> you make some decisions. Um, you know, like, how are you going to pay your next... Um, well, funnily enough, um, one of the things, a uh, completely segue, one <laughs> of the, th- the things um, that, you know, 20 years ago uh, when I was staunchly anti-contract, one of the things that was used to defend tap contracts by hoteliers was contracts, you know, when, when there were two main brewers, they were so entrenched that banks, when they lent money to hoteliers, um, would ask is, who's your contract with? What is your... Um, you know, rebate um, because that was something that they considered in lending you money or not. If you've got your bank going, well, you need a rebate, you need a contract in order to get your finance, mm-hmm. then they're telling you how to run your business in terms of contracts. Um, yeah, so, yeah, so, you know, having a multinational, uh, you know, an impersonal multinational who's lent you the money to finance your brewery. How is that different from having, you know, my Oh, so you think we should just scrap independence entirely because no business well, is no. independent? Oh, no, well, no, but um, it's very much a sliding scale for, mm. for independence. And then you've got, you know, something that Matt Kirkegaard 100% owns with, you know, my own money. I mortgaged my house. Um, so they're going to take the house off me, not, you know, my brewery off me if I don't mm. make my payments, although I'll probably lose both. Um, <laughs> but... Then I've grown out of capacity, and I go to Australian, you know, the cassette, yeah, the um, Coca-Cola owned, mm. um, you know, Australian Brewing Co. Brewing Co. Or whatever it is to today. contract brew the way that um, Mighty Craft is, has done, you know. So you're going well. One of the arguments that people love to use for independence is all, oh, you know, we don't, you know, it, it's the profits don't go overseas. Mm-hmm. Well. Mm. And also we've had, on the other flip side of that, we've had some very eloquent commenters historically saying, yeah, so what? Like, lion pay me and I pay my taxes and I look after my family and I own a house here. And why is that any different? Some of the profits, some of the money that that company makes is staying in Australia. So, I mean, (laughs) there's arguments for all sides. And and, and that's where it's so hard because, Mm -hmm. you know, every time an independent brewery sold, people became a little bit less passionate about brewing. Yeah. But then every time, you know, a small little, um, whether they beat the indie drum or not, a small little local brewery does a collaboration, you know, saying how awesome um, the guys at Lion are. You go, well, how can I hate them for this but love them for this, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And every time an indie brewer goes to, um, you know, the Coca-Cola-owned brewery or, you know, goes to Laverton the way Mountain Goat did, you know, um, that was owned by Asahi. Mm -hmm. You know, you're going, well... They're paying them to make the beer. They're making profits off that beer. That profit is going overseas. How is that any different from me yeah. as a consumer? You know, all of these things are just the little cuts that gradually whittle, whittle away at the passion for independence. The only, the, the the most compelling argument that I've heard for independence is, and, and I haven't even heard it since the name change um, to the IBA, but it was the level, the degree of control that the non-independent breweries exert over the shape of the beer industry um, through tap control and things like that. Mm-hmm. But and and that is in, you know that that is something that goes here. And that's why supporting independence matters um, because it's if you buy independent, then it gives bottle shops and pubs a reason to put that beer on. But again, that's really esoteric and things you you need to be in the industry to really care about mm-hmm. that one, which is where that shallowing of the um, 
passion for the industry comes. And, yeah. you know, no criticism to any of the parties in that um, batch story, or Waywood or, um, you know, Ben mm-hmm. spoke, because it's they're great brewers making great beer that is well worth drinking. But yeah. does that, you know, gradually mean that independence matters less? Um, yeah. a, another one, Tina Panutsis, um, mm. uh, who, you know, Head judge, Tina's one of the great champions of the Australian brewing industry, independent or not. But she works for CUB and mm. she's a head judge, she was the head judge of the Indies this year. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's kind of a little bit like, um, well, we won't let you enter our competition. Yeah. Um, again, no, no criticism, but it's just one of those <laughs> discussion things about, uh-huh. well, what is, the, um, what, what is the rationale for some of these decisions? Um, you can't enter your beers in our competition, but you can judge on how good our beers are. Yeah, um, interesting. It's a little bit, it's a, it's a little oh, bit like when you move out. Yeah. I'm saying I'm a grown-up now yeah. um, and I'm sort of living in my own space <laughs> and earning my own money and then tapping mum and dad for a loan every yeah. time you can't make the rent. Um, you know, so, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It is a really tricky one and I think the waters are becoming increasingly muddied on this one as well um, as we see lots of different ownership structures and more people coming into the industry from different sectors that don't have these discussions necessarily. So, uh, yeah, sorry, Matt, I think you're going to be having a few more rants oh, until no, we've well, figured it well, out. Well, that, wasn't, that wasn't a rant. Was no, it? no, it was no, you were very yeah. fair, yeah. No, again, it's, just, it's not criticism, but it's just discussing what is it we're talking about when we're talking about independence. Yeah. If it's not, well, big breweries are bad. Um, you know, because we'll work with them, we'll sort of you know collaborate yeah, yeah. with them, we'll do all of these things with them. We'll ask them for help yep. when we need help. You know, we'll sort of you know borrow their labs. That's you know, it. all of those sorts of things. And it makes the big brewers look good that they're collaborating with the smaller brewers as well. Like uh, the benefit to them is look, look at that media release. It yeah. was all about Lion um, getting the, the the reflected glory of you know helping out these small little brewers. So That's I don't it. think that they're not using it for that purpose. Oh yeah, as, they're not as altruistic about it. Yeah. Oh no, no, well they are very altruistic about it, but they're not shy in you know getting a little bit of that you know <laughs> indie cred that's it the indie so, gold dust uh yeah so um we'll good on them yeah. and, and look forward to trying the beer um maddie wilson uh, in the facebook group read the brewcon cancellation matty says i'm surprised it took the iba this long to announce it situation in sydney and other regions obviously not great um coupled with the fact that the nrl has basically commandeered twin waters on the sunny coast made it pretty much untenable a couple of weeks ago bloody shame though i was really looking forward to having this event in my own backyard and catching up with the other guys and girls from the industry hopefully third time lucky in 2022 <laughs> oh my optimism i like well it. yeah there's no been no announcement about that but uh yeah very very sad um but again it's look it's incredibly hard decision you know mm. when when do you make the call because if you make it too soon yeah and then suddenly you can find yourself in clear air where there was no covid mm-hmm. but also if you make it too soon you're cancelling you've got you know yeah. you've, you've made deposits that you may lose you, you know the indie uh, the iba doesn't have a lot of money mm-hmm. um you know doesn't have a lot of money to spare um so you know That's leaving it, it to, to the last minute, um, I think it was at the end of the month they had to make the final payments or something like that, so that mm. brought it. But then we also don't know, you know, yeah. potentially because the NRL was using that venue as a bubble, the venue cancelled mm-hmm. because Sydney extended its lockdown, so the, the teams weren't going to go home. Yep. I'd imagine that Twin Waters is going to make a lot more from the NRL being there oh, for yeah. six weeks in a two-day conference. So, look, th- these things are all incredibly hard. I'm... Next next week, bumping in for the Brisbane exhibition. Every day I've woken up expecting it to be cancelled because yep. you've got something that is regarded, you know, in in non COVID years as being a major flu spreader, just a regular flu yeah. spreader. Um, but you know, it's interesting. It, it's a huge event that is would potentially be crippled by yep. a cancellation. But then, the longer you leave it go, the more money people have spent on committing to, to doing it. So yeah. you don't know. So really, really hard. That's feel it. very, very sorry for the whole team. You know, yeah, real hearts go out for everybody at the uh, the IBA. And I wonder if this means then that in future we're going to see more um, sort of smaller, more local grassroots type events rather than these major beer festivals. Just because of they can be a bit more nimble. They can they know the venues they live next door. Like they can change things around a bit more. I think Brayside and Bad Shepherd had an event a few weeks ago and it was like an all open air thing. They'd prepped it all. It was in their local park and stuff like that. And they and I was like, well, what are you going to do if something happens? And they were like, oh, we'll just move it to another day. And well, I was like, still okay, woof. And, 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 you know, that was, like, that was the thing. Like this yeah. time last year, you know, coming into August last year, 
depths of the first wave of you know we were sort of people locking down. It was sort of I think if you told anybody it was still going to be going in twelve months, you know, at the end of July twenty twenty one, they would have. I think they. There would have been like a lot of misled. But we've gradually adapted. You know, humans yeah. are amazingly adaptable. But these things take a, have a long lead time. So, yeah, so they, they've been planning it for a long time, hoping. And let's face it, you know, no one expected there was going to be such a big outbreak. Um, no, absolutely. You know, this year. So, anyway. Cool. Um, and then I think this is the last one, actually. Um, email from email Liam. from Liam Wilson. wonder if he's in relation to Maddie Wilson. Oh, don't know. Don't know. Probably not. Um, hi, guys. I've been listening to your high-quality weekly... <laughs> I don't know about that. High-quality weekly Bruce News podcast. You don't have to kiss ass to get a bar <laughs> blade. You just have to write. I hope he's probably talking about Joe, not us. Um, <laughs> yes, production quality. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And reading your associated articles on the Facebook pages regarding zero-alcohol drinks and their rise in Australia. As a result, I thought I'd give a few a go. Um, especially now that Uncle Dan's has resisted their stores with the whole sections dedicated. Oh, how annoying. I've tried five, two lagers, two IPAs and a stout. Uh, feedback. The two lagers, one Australian, one German were okay. Light balance and I could happily drink at a barbecue if I needed to. Unfortunately, that's where the positives ended. The two IPAs, one German, one Australian were very similar in flavour. Heavy, malt driven, zero hop IPA other, and very bitter. Um, the malt and bitterness almost made them undrinkable and would be a one-beer session at best. Unfortunately, the stout was similar. He was excited to try it. However, it tasted like burnt malt, and I struggled to finish this one. Oh, that's not good. Um, <laughs> then again, I, I think Guinness tastes the same. But anyway. Oh, I lo- do you know, weirdly, because I, I lived in Ireland, I do love a Guinness, but I don't really like any other dark beers. Oh, which really? Which is really wrong of me, I know, and I will... Try it harder in future. Um, Liam goes on to say, don't get me wrong, for all for healthy drinking, but not convinced on zero low alcohol drinks and every producer jumping on board. If I do need one, I'll stick to Nort or the Klaus Taylor. Klaus Taylor? Klaus Taylor. Uh, I think German, yeah, a German, one of the traditional oh. ones. Ah, okay. Uh, keep up the good work, thanks. Now, that is interesting. Um, Liam doesn't say whether the Australian ones were Big Brewer or Indie or craft or whatever we've decided to call it that day so Liam I'd be interested to know um, about that but interesting and I think that's absolutely right like you you do expect it to taste the same as a beer you want it to taste the same as beer I would have thought and if they don't then you've well you've fallen over massively that's That's a hurdle there that's the thing yeah Mm. like if you want to be a replace like if you want a beer replacement, you yeah, want it to taste like beer. If you beer. want a zero alcohol beer, you want it to taste like beer. Yeah. If it doesn't taste like beer, then it's something else. But this is one of the questions that you know we've been kicking around. Should yeah. should it be marketed as something, you know, is zero alcohol beer not beer anyway? And mm-hmm. should it be marketed as something else? Because yeah, interesting. Um, in, in terms of pricing, in terms of getting... They could come up with a poncy name for it, like a malted beverage of some kind or whatever. Who knows? But mm. yeah, anyway, it, but, it, but it's interesting. But yeah, ag- again, just... Uh, this is the nub of what I, what, why I keep banging on about alcohol-free beer. Is there was so much hype, so many people saying it is huge, mm-hmm. when the market hasn't sort, the market really hasn't decided what it is, what it wants, mm-hmm. who is or, for, or anything like who's, that. Who's it? Di- who's it directing this product at? And I get the feeling that this is a category that is being pushed into the market as mm-hmm. opposed to demanded by the market. Because going back to that Australian um, article or the the news article that mm-hmm. I talked about. Everyone that's making zero alk beers is mouthing these same platitudes about. Um, here we go. So the University of Newcastle researchers Tamara Butcher and Melanie Purinen said that cutting back on alcohol and embracing mindful drinking over binge drinking is the new act of youth rebellion. Um, over the past fifteen years, alcohol consumption has decreased in Australia from ten point eight million uh, or ten point eight liters per capita down to nine point four, the lowest seen in fifty years. Similar trends have been seen globally. Someone should point that out to Fair. Um, but anyway, um, <laughs> I did, and they didn't <laughs> listen to me. But well, they, they don't want to. They don't want to acknowledge. They don't want to respond. No, they're not um, interested. And the reduction has been particularly stark for younger age groups. Um, abstaining from alcohol increased, and and that's the thing. The research shows that people are sustaining from alcohol, mm-hmm. and there you know there's all of these buzzwords. And then you've got people who are selling those products are drawing on that research and that social change and saying, ergo, people want zero alcohol. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've drawn yeah, their the, own the, conclusions. They from want the alcohol trends. products yeah. and the alcohol removed. And that's Is where I, I, I don't see it. You know, yeah. I, I, I haven't seen 
that. So there are a lot of people who are hoping to capitalise on a trend that is absolutely taking place in society. Mm-hmm. But the trend that I haven't seen developing in society is that you know people you know, don't want to just drink water yeah. um, or a cup <laughs> yeah. of tea. Not, not, well, nice not cup of tea, <laughs> love. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, man, that was terrible. <laughs> really? <laughs> that was terrible. Okay. Anyway, so uh, that, that's alcohol-free beer done and it. dusted. Um, just very, very quickly, one that you'd thrown in that was... Um, yes, in the same vein also, though, because very much we had the same sort of discussions with seltzer, seltzer. about a year and a half ago, hard seltzers. Um, oh, they're the next big thing. Everybody's doing them. But seltzer was a big thing. Like that's yeah. Seltzer actually did explode mm. and it caught everybody by surprise. Yeah. And I get the feeling alcohol-free beer is, well, we don't want to be caught by surprise, so we want to get ahead of this ah, wave. Ah, I see what you mean. Um, it's slightly different in how they've come at it, you mean? Yeah. And so the headlines, Boston Beer had a very disappointing quarter. Mm. But that was the, the the first day news headline when everyone saw mm-hmm. Boston Beer's results. But then when you dug a little bit deeper into the um, results, they had just have said Seltzer's going to grow by 10x. Yeah. So we've made 10x beer. Mm-hmm. And this is what our profit will be for the quarter when actually um, Seltzer growth was only 3x. Mm-hmm. And so we missed our profit projections. Mm-hmm. Um, quite by, by quite a bit, mm-hmm. but our profit still grew on the back of Seltzer. So that was when when people actually started digging, when journalists in the US started yeah. digging down. So they just overestimated it. They overestimated. Than so failed. it's still growing. Yeah, um, and they and they're still making much more money from it, just not as much as they yeah. planned. The um, overestimation thing is interesting as well because um, back back when Seltzers were exploding, people were projecting. 100% growth, blah, 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 in the next couple of years. Mm. And we had the same sort of discussion saying, like, is I, surely they'll plateau at some point. Like, I wonder when they'll start to grow, but they'll the growth will slow. And maybe we've hit that point now. Maybe we're getting to that point. Maybe not now, because obviously we see US trends and then sometimes we follow, sometimes we don't. But that would be interesting to see if we, in maybe in a year or so, We'll get in touch with Moondog and tell, ask them how their dispenser systems went and stuff oh, like that. Yeah, all, all that. Very Seltzer, Seltzer's been quiet domestically because it's been winter, mm-hmm. um, but gearing up to summer, yep. that's when we'll see. Um, that's it. And people are gearing up more people for People are that. gearing up for it. Yep, Actually, a, a, a question that I'd like um, that, that might be worth us following up on about alcohol-free beer is it's got a little shorter shelf life because it doesn't have alcohol. Um, yep. I wonder how much is being returned. You know, if there's an oversupply of, everyone's talking about the growth of alcohol-free beer, we've also seen a massive leap into the market. I wonder what the expiry dates are on, you know, and whether beer's being returned and, you know, alcohol-free beer is being returned um, or anything like that. Because that would be in, in, in an indication of whether supply is vastly over-demand. Because we, everyone's just okay. talking about the growth of sales. Yep. But, you know, uh, all of the people jumping on it vastly overestimating demand and yeah, so beer's being returned, I don't know. Mm, I don't know. If you see. know, let us know. <laughs> and that is all you need to know. It is. And, you know, just some things that extra. we think that you may <laughs> yeah. not think. And if you don't think um, and don't agree, let us know. Let us know. Nicely. Because beer is a conversation. This is <laughs> Brews News Week, but beer is a conversation He's as opposed to the other podcast that we do, which is also Beer is a Conversation. <laughs> but beer is a conversation, and we want you involved in that conversation. So if you've been listening and you disagree and you're shouting at your microphone, Type in all caps to us um, and shout at us and let no. us know what you think um, <laughs> as you email producer at You Shout at Joe, who did nothing to deserve it, but she'll pass it on to us. <laughs> Thank you for listening. That is the Week News. Thank you, Claire. Thank you very much, Matt. Thank you, Pete. Sorry we couldn't have you on, but uh, I know you're listening. Thank you all for listening. Thank you to Cry Malt, who make this possible. Thank you to Rallings, who... Do a lot of making it possible as well. Oh, Thank yeah. you to Thirsty Merch who make our bar blades possible. And also, if you saw, if you're in our Radio Brews News Facebook group, if you like our good beer shirts where we've got uh, good brewer, good ingredients, good technique, oh, yeah. and the subset of that in the Venn diagram is good beer, and then a little circle with hype out to the side saying there's nothing <laughs> wrong with hype, but it's not an integral ingredient of good beer. Our good friends at Thirsty Merch have set us up a shop where you can actually create your own bespoke what shirt. Legends. And, you know, you can't change good beer, good ingredients, good technique because those are yeah. what go into good beer. But if you think lactose, if you think haze, <laughs> if you think hype, if you think, you know, nitro, anything that you think. Oh, yeah. 
not doesn't belong in beer because those things can all belong in beer and make it mm-hmm. good, but they're not integral to making a good beer. You can jump on uh, <laughs> jump on the Facebook uh, group and you'll see a link to it. Otherwise, we will be linking to it um, from our Facebook and uh, big discount on on the shirts as well. Um, Thirsty merch scale brings you know scale. unit cost down, so that's the benefits of scale. So thank you to Thirsty Merch. Um, thank you to New Zealand Ale Trail. Um, anyone else we need to pay? I think we've Pay the bills, pay the piper. <laughs> I think we've ticked all the boxes. <laughs> and uh, thank you all to you. Thank you to our producer, Joe. Um, yes, long-suffering, she Long-suffering, Joe. <laughs> but and otherwise, what does Pete say? I, keep, I always forget what his little saying is. Look, wear a mask. If you have to stay at home, if you're in an area that stay, stays at home, stay at home and listen to us. Um, <laughs> look after each other. Look after each other. And really yeah, like look, check one. in, check in, look after each other. Um, drink mindfully, um, even if you are having a you know a, a, an alcoholic beverage. Drink mindfully. Um, wash your hands. Wear a mask. Um, be kind. Be understanding. <laughs> That's good. I think we've got them all. And I'm sure everyone will remind us. Be back next week yeah, as we do this week. all again. <laughs> Thank you very much, and uh, bye for now. Oh, and we're out. Oh yeah, I was sorry. That's right. I'm for that. Thank you. <laughs> And we're out. Boom. Don't forget, if you like what we do at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show, either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You can find details in the show notes. You can review our podcast on iTunes or your favourite podcasting service. Let us know what you think and help others discover the show. Finally, you can tell us directly what you think by sending an email to producer at brewsnews.com.au. All letters received will receive a Brews News bottle opener. We love hearing your thoughts on the stories we cover because beer is a conversation.